All right, let's pray. Let's go. Okay. Lord Jesus Christ, who walked the way of the cross as an obedient servant of your heavenly Father, open our ears, we beg you, and teach us by your Holy Spirit that we don't rebel against you, but we walk in the obedience of disciples who have learned of all your goodness with the Father and the Holy Spirit. You live and reign one God, now and forever. Amen. All right. Did you read? A little bit? Yeah? Okay, good. Uh, we should just read the story just for fun. So it's, uh, if you have a book, does everybody's got a book, need a book? Chapter 28. We might have the odd book lying around still. Um, you know, we can read his version 356. That's, uh, that's okay. So my first question for you would be, what's the kingdom of God? So you can kind of start to think about what that is. If you have a short, if you have a short um, definition of it at some point, it'll make the stories about the kingdom of God a little bit easier when they read. The kingdom of God is like, or this is what the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of God. So if you think about that, the kingdom of God is like, um, you know, then you have to kind of think, you know, what's the, what's the baseline thing? If you could just say one thing about it. kingdom of God is how, like a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And, of course, all the Old Testament stuff rings in then about Israel being the Lord's vineyard. So they would have heard that automatically. After agreeing with laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Going on about the third hour, he saw others standing unemployed in the marketplace. He said to them, you go to the vineyard too, and whatever is right or whatever is just, and you know this is the same word, so righteousness and justice have the same it's the same Greek word. It's how you interpret it or how you, you know, it makes a difference. Or maybe it doesn't, depending on how you think about those things. Whatever is just, whatever is right, I will give to you. So they went. Going out about again the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and he found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here unemployed all day? They said to him, because nobody's hired us. He said to them, you go to the vineyard too. And when evening came, the Lord of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and pay them the wage, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, each one of them received a denarius. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the householder, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. When next time you go on a dig in Israel, they'll wake you up at five in the morning. You'll get a boiled egg and a tomato. <laughs> and then um, you're done by noon because the heat is so intense that even the locals are in the shade by noon. You just don't, you don't work afternoon. So this is kind of a remarkable story for that reason. Um, the first came, they thought they would receive more, they got a denarius, and on receiving it, they grumbled at the householder, saying, the last worked only an hour, you've made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, um, mister, I'm doing you no injustice. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and leave. 
I chose to give to this last as I gave to you, as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or is your eye evil because I am good? A remarkable little turn there. So the last will be first and the first will be last, whatever in the world that means in the Bible. Besides, the bishop always goes last in procession. That's the reason the bishop goes last, because the bishop is last in this world, but in the new world, hey, the Pope Emeritus is second place now. All right, so what do you want to do, do, do with that mess? Oh, my goodness. Where do you want to start? There's so much going on there, you could hardly stand it. If you would need to look in your own Bible, it's Matthew 21 to 16. Yes, my friend. Is there a difference? Good. Yes, right. Yes, that's right. Yes, right. I don't know. Is there, a, I mean, there is a difference and there's not a difference, right? In some sense. So, uh, what's that? And there'll still be a mystery in heaven. Because there's always something new the next day. Yeah. There's something always over the hill. <laughs> what? Say say what you said. I said in the story it never occurred to me until you asked this question. Everything isn't going well in the kingdom of heaven. Have you been to church? If you ever came to church, you would know that. I didn't. I well, come now. Mary. <laughs> well, there'll be some things that'll be the same, and there'll be some. Th- you think there's a special cranky person section in heaven? Like you just made it in, but we're really tired of you. So if you could wait an eternity, we'll be back for you. What's that? Like purgatory. The thing is, is the problem with purgatory is, is if you. Um, you can't, really, you can't really enjoy somebody else's suffering because you're suffering too. If the cranky people are in heaven, you'll want to enjoy that about them. Well, look how that's getting better for them. All right, so this table over here is concerned about whether their pleasure will be meat in heaven. Did you know that pleasure is a new concept? I was just reading an essay on this. There was, nobody actually thought about pleasure until about the 19th century. Previous to that, in the Western culture, it was still you were still defined by virtue, what was good. And in the 19th century, there's a shift to what is pleasurable. Isn't that interesting? So you're completely wrecked over here at this table. <laughs> I mean, there's no hope for you at all. Um, and which are completely... Now, good things can give you pleasure, but ple- pleasurable things don't always give you good. So we have to... And I even fall... I, you know, I even think about... I talk that way, and it's um, you know, the error of my ways. So, all right, what else is going on there? Because this is what the kingdom of God is like. You have to decide whether you want to be in. What's, um, do you find anything just odd there? Or where do you want to start? There's something in almost every sentence for you. Anything? The question, the master was making a point, but if these guys are all standing around there looking for a job, why didn't they hire them all at the same time? That is interesting. Does it say that, or does he empty the does he empty the bag each time? He does, and he does. Um, you know, the point he makes is that there would be. So when Bailey talks about his own experience, he says he takes a portion, right. 
So they're honored. The other people are shamed in a sense. You have to remember we're in an honor and shame culture. So you get hired and you're honored in some sense. You're shamed because, and that, I, he, now he reads his own experience back into that. This is, here's the thing. If you go to, in better days, when you went to the Home Depot on a Saturday morning, you've seen the guys. Have you seen this? Yeah. You're only, you, yeah, if you go to the Home Depot on a Saturday morning, there can be five or ten guys standing there. I mean, so this isn't just a Middle Eastern thing. This is actually an American phenomenon. Um, it's much more common, I think. And so, so did he, um, you know, did he hire everybody? But that, but that's just th that's when he goes back in the third hour. So I actually don't know the answer to the question. I don't know if he takes part of them or does he take everybody? Or does he take part of them? Like, does he take all the guys who are there first thing in the morning? And then other guys show up. So. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> although the although the Middle East, usually Middle Eastern things are small, you know, it's usually smaller. And he did note that it was at a particular gate, kind of like you'd go to the Home Depot rather than, you know, the McDonald's, which aren't that far apart, well, but there's a location. Well, there's many construction projects that nobody ever goes on, so it never goes on, on schedule. Spoken like an electrician's <laughs> wife. Capon? Yeah. He's Episcopal, yeah. But yeah, you've read the book on the Psalms. Well, yeah, parts of it. Anyway, his take is that he took everybody. It makes the story flow along a little bit better if he takes everybody. Yeah, who knows? I mean, he suggested they'd be all gone by noon or, or earlier. Come back? So pause with that. Hold on to that. So that's just, I mean, there, there are always things. One of the things about us is we like to have everything nailed down. Frankly, in stories like this, things aren't often nailed down. So you just have to, just the ambiguity of life, and you have to get good with that. Um, what about the interplay between the new church members and the old church members? I know you've never experienced this in your own church. God <laughs> knows, you know. But isn't this, isn't this interesting how there's, you were three hours ago you were just like somebody else and then three hours later you're quite superior apparently what my daughter's having a, a child my daughter yeah Yes. Absolutely right. <laughs> You've lost your work, your status, your honor. Yeah, that's right. There's nobody like the baby in the family. Now, what's the rub between the older folks and the newer folks? So that, that's part of the story. Yes, the scorching heat of the day, Carol. You, the scorching heat of the day kind of person. So I just, now you have to translate this into the church, you see. You know, what's the, like, so what would be the scorching heat of the day church things that would be so repulsive you'd never want to go to? Carol Holter has done Christmas sharing tirelessly. She has, the scorching heat of Christmas sharing. That's right. Absolutely. Don't let anybody else join Christmas sharing next year, by the way, because the, you're better than they are, and they haven't ever, 
the, the people who come at the 11th hour couldn't possibly know what you've been through. Not, not in this story. <laughs> not, a, not in this story, man. Yeah, see, you're making up your own Jesus now, Carol. You've got to be suspicious if anybody knew who walks through the door. Gee whiz. They could, somebody could take your position just like that. You could wake up next year and find you're not in charge of Christmas sharing. I oh, know, that could happen. Scorching heat of the day. Now, uh, see, here's part of the problem with the scorching heat of the day. It's exactly how you, you know, you people, you Christians, you talk like loving the little baby Jesus is to endure the scorching heat of the day. Did you, did you read the Pope's last comments? There, well, I didn't read him on Twitter. I'm not hip enough for that, you see. You know, I've still undecided if I'm in love with the hashtag or not. But he's done, by the way. He's done. He's not going to, you've had your last, you had your first and your last from him. As soon as, he was done for as soon as he went Latin. Then he was out. So, uh, no, but there, this is how people talk about, the, the, so, yes, so often you talk about the kingdom of God as if it ruins your fun. And the, I think there's something in that, in this. So here are these people who at, let's see, the third hour of the day, sixth hour of the day, is this Roman time? So the third hour of the day is nine o'clock. So the, six, the, the, the first hour of the day, the zero, zero hour would be 6 a.m. So at 6 a.m., you're standing at the gate begging to be hired. At 6.01, you're complaining about the heat of the day. Now, how does that happen to a person? That's my question. Or my translation would be, um, so many times Christians act like the little baby Jesus ruins their fun. So Jan stands up and says, wouldn't it be nice if we were nice to people with cancer? Now, when you hear that, you know, you, I'm not expecting you to comment if, you know, confession is for private. But for, when you hear Jan say, um, couldn't, you do, couldn't you be nice to somebody with cancer? Do you hear, um, that's a good idea? Or, I wish Jan would leave me alone. She's always on about something. If it's not a hurricane, it's eyeglasses in South America. For goodness sakes, if it's not Essie, then we got to, you know. So when she stands up and says to you, wouldn't it be nice if we did something to, for people with cancer? How, I, you know, you don't have to answer, but how do you react to that? Right? One more thing to do. More heat of the day. For God's sake, help us, you know. How do, how do, and how does this happen between, how do you, how do you, how do you switch from the person you are at 6 in the morning to the person you are at 6.01? How does that happen? You're tired. That partly it is your... Of those grumbly people, Mary. <laughs> Part of it is it's wearing. So uh, the Pope thing I was going toward was the, the most interesting thing was that he said was... Did you read the throw-off comment where he said... Sometimes while I was Pope, it seemed like the Lord was asleep. That was a fascinating little comment. Um, it wasn't the bulk of the comment, but it was a very interesting comment. Even the Pope feels like um, sometimes the Lord's not paying attention. Right? That's the scorching heat of the day. Right. Right. What was so interesting, too, I mean, just to press that point, when he became Pope, of course, people um, were so harsh to him 
They created, they created, uh, it was much like the, the well, there, there was a caricature of him created that now as, pe now as he goes out, people sort of remark on what uh, a shy and quiet man, his last remarks were barely audible to the cardinals. Um, they said, you know, he retreats back into his own personality, which is to kind of be quiet and, and write books. Um, it wasn't a sense of job that he never wanted, and now he's retired from a job that he never wanted. It's very, very interesting to, to sort of watch that, that even somebody um, who at that position engages his human side. So maybe the question shifts then into what it is that you do with your human side, or another way to ask that question would be, when you feel the heat of the day in the church, what is it that you do? Or, sorry? Uh, you do take a bath. You do run through the sprinkler. So what would be the ecclesiastical equivalent of running through the sprinkler? So another way to set the question would be, what is it that, um, what is it that keep, what, what is it that could keep you from, yeah, so what, what is it? So what would be the, what would be the churchly equivalent of that? And there's, a, there's a clue in how we, they talk about life. Go ahead. Part of it would be the Eucharist. Now, um, Really? Hmm. I wonder if that's enough to make a saint. It'd be very interesting to see if he comes up for sainthood. But pause and move back. Um, where in the text, we should also talk about the text rather than just ourselves, what's the shift, can you see a shift in the text? Uh, or what's the discussion in the text that tells you when people regret being in the field or being in the church? And whether, when they welcome being in the church. Hmm. Maybe I didn't ask that very well. But as you read the story, there is this, there is this shift from being, please choose me, please, please, I'd like to work, please, please, let me be part of this, please, 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 till three or six hours later, or especially at the 11th hour. What's the shift from the beginning to the end? He's. It is partly greed. It does. It exhibits itself as greed. Good. Thank you. Yes, you owe this to me. You were going to say back here. Sorry. You deserve it. Yes, that's very good. Yes, it's not fair. It's not just. Yes. So all these things are interlocked. The grumbling. It's all interlocked. So it exhibits itself as greed or grumbling. Those are two ways this thing can show itself. And at baseline, and then before that, back before that, is I deserve this. So I deserve this because I should have more, or I deserve this, that guy should have less, or I deserve this, why would somebody else have that? And, and at base, the, the verb there is, this isn't fair, okay? Which is a striking thing to say to the Lord, that the Lord isn't fair. Yes. Yeah, right. So, yes, right. Yeah, so the, then that, that would mean maybe the kingdom of God isn't fair. Perfect. So, this, that yes, and maybe they didn't. We don't know because the story doesn't tell us, right? There's no end to the story. It's one of the odd, non-ending Jesus stories where he sort of leaves it open for you. Now, pause. So that's virtually the last line. Now, a little more technical. You remember that he said, this story goes, one, two, three, middle, three, two, one, right? 
the chiasm. Uh, it's an old Hebrew way of telling stories. The Greeks had it too. It's because they spoke that wasn't written down. You had to remember the stories people told it. So they, they, they told the story one, two, three, middle, three, two, one. So it, you went to the last line, which is good. Um, what's the biggest thing that's happening in the line you just read? Just, just read the line again. What's the, what's the main thing that's happening just in that line? Perfect. So, um, who's doing the verb? The Lord is doing the verb. If, if the Lord, the Master, Jesus, gets to do the verb, gets to do the work, then you must have it right. When the Lord does it, it's right. That's Luther. If the Lord does it, then it's right. You don't have to worry about whether it's right. If he does it, it's right. And what's he doing? He does the choosing. Good. And you notice, then you go back to the very first verse. How does the story start? There were men standing around at a gate, and a master came, and he chose. Okay, good. So the difference between 6 o'clock and 6.01, one way to talk about the difference is that he chooses, right? Which is very familiar language to us. That's very normal way that we talk, that the Lord chooses us. If you're Lutheran, it's the explanation of the third article. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe, but the Holy Ghost has chosen me, called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gift, sanctified, kept me in the true faith. So the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit does this. So something about the kingdom is about God's choosing. So now, how does, it, how does it shift from God chose me, God loves me, God cares for me, God wraps me up, God includes me, God is hospitable to me, God gives me something good to do with my hands, God gives me purpose for life, Right? God sustains me. God nourishes me. God provides for those around me. That's all wrapped up in the choosing in this story. Okay? How do you go from that um, to this isn't fair? <laughs> that is, in fact, true. So, so what you observe in that is a shift from the, the initial emphasis and the ending emphasis, so that was very good, that, uh, very perceptive from Donna. The beginning emphasis and the end is about what God does. And when you feel like it's unfair, it's all about? Me. Yes, it is all about you. It is all about you. And of course, you know, this is a zero-sum game. So if Jan gets something, if there's 100 and Jan takes 10, what does that mean about you? You're a loser. That's right. Because it was better when you had 100. The scorching heat of the day. Jan is the scorching heat of the day. Right? Okay. So now, what are you going to do about that in the church? Because, frankly, I've known some people in the church who are the scorching heat of the day. <laughs> Maybe you all haven't. <laughs> Theoretically, I've read books about these people. They apparently exist in other congregations, other places. You know? So, so how would you, how would you, what's the cure for the scorching heat of the day? So what would be the cure? So, so pause. Maybe things are moving a little too fast. But just, just think of, this is an extraordinarily practical text. God chooses people to enter into his kingdom. And the kingdom of God, go ahead. So God chooses you. Yes, he does. We agree. Uh, you say, thank you very much. Amen. Yeah. I'd love to. Couldn't make me happier. Isn't this great? Yes. You get cranky and grumbly. All those people Mary knows from another life, not from this church. Well, that's not in the story. 
but that would be a that would be happily that would be a happy ending. That would be happily ever after. Yes, that would be a very nice ending to the story. When I read the story, I keep thinking that they agree. You know, the the guy comes and he chooses them, and they agree to go with him. So it's there to be a contract. So you signed on the dotted line. You chose that. Yeah, I will do this. He went back. Obviously, things aren't getting done fast enough, or whatever. So these people come in and. He's like, well, you know, obviously we need to add on or do whatever, and he gives them the same contract he gave you, just scratched out a couple of things, and I, to me, it's a business deal. Pause. Okay. <laughs> Are you a math major? <laughs> the verb changes between, and this is the thing that Bailey pointed out. The verb changes between. You are right, uh, in some sense. This it is. He says. Doesn't he say, I'll give you what's fair? I'll give you what's just, right? So the first, guys, it is, a, it is on the dotted line. I'll give you a denarius for the day. So equal trade. You give me a day, I'll give you a denarius, the, com- the wage, the common wage. That was kind of interesting, too, that that phrase still exists. Now, at the third hour, he says, you go to, and whatever is the right thing, this is... You know, this is all the, these are all the, this is actually the justification verb. Uh, this is righteousness, justice, justification. All of the, they're all bundled up. Now Carol is going to solve it for us. So what's the answer? I wouldn't take a job like that unless I knew that person and had a reputation that mm-hmm. <laughs> what is fair is really going to be fair or proper. But what I was thinking is every time more workers to work every time the owner hired more that meant that there were more people in the field doing the work so even though those people were working through the heat of the day they had less to do well done because there were more people so those 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 people that you're grumping about are actually making your life easier hmm hmm so new people in their church could actually be a Asset rather than liability. And if you want to look at it as fair, you could say, I hired you for this amount of money to do this work. But he never uses the word fair with no, that no, first I mean, group. Would, no, but I, you know, I hired you for a day to do a day's salary. Good. So that's going to be part of the answer. We've got to cure ourselves of what we think is fair and just. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Yes, I was going I was back with the math majors who were I thought she, I was going to accuse her of being a math major and then having a grumpy life because math majors always calculate, right? They compare. You weigh, you measure, which you as Lutherans would see that as the way of the law, that's ever the way of the law. Is somebody getting more than me? Somebody got more than me. Somebody got better than me. This isn't fair. What? Well, stop being such a Christian for a moment. We'd have another 15 minutes to go. Hold on to that for a second, okay? Want to go? Well, I just love the line in point six. They thought they would receive more. I just love that. Yeah, because, absolutely. This is the group that agrees. Yes, exactly right. Yes, exactly right. So So they're done in by their calculations of what they think is fair. Pause. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus is a troublemaker. We as leaders can 
Right, but some, it's an inten- he's causing it intentionally. We can, in fact, cause our own problems. That is, in fact, true. Privately paid or first to last. Very, that's a very, absolutely. They're, in, they're, they're at that bar you were talking about before the ninth hour guys get paid. Exactly right, right? You take your money and you run. Why would you stay another hour in the scorching heat? There is some advantage. That's exactly right. So Carol always taking the side of the underdog today, <laughs> which is good because there's there, now you see there is Carol makes the argument. There's so many things to the advantage of the way that the Lord does things. So you might translate this back into maybe this is to your advantage too that um, new people hang around and actually that you I mean imagine this that you'd be blessed by seeing other people being blessed. Isn't that an odd concept? Right? It is fun to see. You can only say that by way of the Holy Spirit because you're weird because you have a strange definition of... You are. You're weird. And what's the weirdest thing about you? You have a strange definition of justice or the same word of righteousness. So, pause. Luther said, there was a day when all the scripture came clear to me. Do you remember that? He wrote this in the introduction to his New Testament when it was published. He said there was a day when it all... What was the, what was the single point where Luther said, where he figured out he was a Lutheran? Do you remember? Yes, there, this word actually. So he said, the just shall live by faith, or the righteous shall live by faith. And then he always beat himself up because he wasn't righteous enough. Right, he beat himself up because he wasn't just enough. And then he figured out, so he beat himself up when he did the verbs. I need to be more just. I need to be more righteous. I need to be better. At least I'm better than the guy hired at the third hour or the sixth hour. At least I'm better than them, better than the Klukas, for God's sake. You know, better, but you know, you're better than the Rosenwinkel, so it all works out, okay? Everybody, everybody needs a dog to kick, or as Mark Twain says, every town needs a drunk. So, um, you know, you're always, you're always better than somebody else, which is the way of measuring, calculating, you know, being a Pharisee. Remember the story Jesus tells about the guy, I'm glad I'm not like those other people at this table over here, you know. And then the guy in the back is going, I'm not better than anybody. My life stinks. Okay, good. So if you have to be just or you have to be righteous, then as it's a miserable life. You're either miserable because you're a Pharisee, you think you're better than everybody else and you lie to yourself, or you, like the publican, you, you constantly feel oppressed and worthless, Right. So the answer was? Well, it's strange to me because I, I keep thinking nobody's grateful for a job. Thank you very much. Yes, right. Thank you very much. So, because they forget. Who was that? One of you too. You forget. That's why do this in remembrance of me is said at, the, at, every, at every Eucharist. You remember. So, I mean, we have a string of things going here now. It was memory and then gratitude comes after memory. You're only grateful if you remember. That's why in the Old Testament, memory, remember me, memory is a synonym for faith. If you, often when the Lord says, remember me, or when he says, have faith, he's actually saying, remember me. If you remember, then you'll be grateful. If you have faith, then you'll, then you'll be grateful. If you remember, and if you don't call to mind, and now you see this is the reason you come to church every week, it's not because the Lord is keeping score, it's because you have a bad memory. You, have a, you stink. You stink at remembering, okay? So the Lord's going to remind you 
You come on Sunday and he reminds you of all the things he's given you. So, you know, even when you read the creed, I was thinking about the creed today. Sometimes people come into the church, you read the creed and they just feel like, God, that's just the silliest thing ever. And, you know, kids especially don't, don't do well with that. And then there's that great quote that we run occasionally about how when the priest says to the guy, the guy says, I can't say this, God, I believe he's like, how old are you, 22, 23? He says, just keep saying it. You'll get it eventually. You're young and kind of stupid. But at some point, you know, well, what ha the part of the reason you say the creed, and this is why Luther in his later life especially loved the creed, because it said it reminded him of line after line of all the kindnesses that the Lord had done for him. When you're reminded of kindness, then you're grateful, okay? But we still haven't solved it for Luther. But we can. With the wave of a hand, some genius could solve this. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, the thing is, you can, the choosing, of course, is another great biblical image, you know, so the chosen people of God, you know. I mean, you can, that rings through from Old Testament to New And with the choosing, all the other gifts come as well, right? And I think it was mentioned that the, pe the people that were chosen at the 11th hour, third and 11th hour, yes. they um, had to wait around and worry about... Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. And they're shamed by the community. Imagine how startling it is if everybody is usually, if usually you're done hiring by noon, which would be the sixth hour, so then three is the ninth hour. So, so they're getting hired at five in the afternoon for a full day's pay, right? No street lights, so it's going to be dark by eight, right? So you work two hours or less, I mean, at the 11th hour. Does he call him at the 11th hour? No, he hires at the 11th hour. He calls him after that. But there's very little daylight left after the 11th hour. <laughs> they are just like your dog. That is exactly right. So church members are dogs. I can just sum up your... Which, I mean, there's a lot of truth in that. Yes. Oh. Uh, in this Bible, there's a little note about just like the Pharisees having put in, in all their time, and then, you know, in the sixth hour, it's opened up to a few more folks, and then... Gentiles. Hour, it's opened up to, yeah. Tax collectors and sinners. Yeah. Ugh. Like everybody. Ah! And, I don't know, I thought that was an interesting note. It's so interesting. So if you have to bundle it all up and solve it, how do you do that? Now, we still haven't gotten to... We didn't get Luther as full due. He became, he became a Lutheran. He became a Christian how? So he, he used to be just sort of... He figured out the righteousness Good. And so righteousness is a gift. So Christ, or the, the Heavenly Father, makes you righteous through Christ. So as long as you think... So the, I mean, the story is, you know, then it falls off the page for you. Um, as long as you think think your work is your work, you're done for. As long as you think your church is your church, you're done for. As long as you think your life is your life, you're miserable. Because you'll always be comparing it to everybody else who thinks their life is their life. But if you have the good sense to remember, like your dog before meal, that you weren't eating, and now you're eating, right? Or you weren't in, and now you're in. Or you weren't working, and now you're working. So, you, I mean, part of the upshot of this is you should be thankful for the scorching heat of the day. Deep down, Christians always feel like Jesus is somehow trying to ruin their fun. I mean, deep down, deep down, you're, we, it's just, it, that is a mark of original sin. We always think 
that somehow Jesus is unfair to us. He's just trying to ruin our fun, you know? So if you're faithful to your spouse, if you love your kids, you know, if you keep an orderly life, if you don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, if you're happy with what, some, if you come to church on Sunday, somehow, I mean, that's the most obvious one, somehow, somehow coming to church on Sunday ruins your fun. Really? That's really, really what's happening. So the Lord of heaven and earth shows up to love you, touch you, heal you, forgive you. I mean, uh, did you hear the story about the sinkhole that ate the guy this morning? I'm like, holy cow, talk about a biblical story. You're sitting in your barca lounger, and suddenly, you know, the yeah, and your brother jumps in after you, and they can't find you. They pull him out, but they still haven't found the poor man. So of biblical proportions is that story, you know. Um, Florida. Yeah, it's like, his, and this house is still standing. Apparently it opened up under his house and ate him. I know. Let that be a lesson to all of you who don't come to church on Sunday. <laughs> I'm serious, because here's the thing. So the kingdom of God is like that. So the kingdom of God is like, is like this. You're standing around doing nothing, just hoping, hoping against hope. If this isn't the postmodern world, I don't know what is. You're, you're standing around hoping against hope that your life would be meaningful that you'd have something to put your hand to, that you could eat, that you could breathe, that you could clothe your kids. You're standing around, and here's the thing. It is hopeless when you are, especially in the Middle East, where there's no safety net. If you don't work, you're not going to eat. You know, you're just not going to. There's nobody else taking care of you. You're on your own. You know, you have absolutely nothing. I mean, the parallels are startling. You have, you have zero, and somebody shows up out of the blue and says to you, hey, you're in. Right? And then you're, there's two possibilities. One is you'll work to the end of the day, much like, and you know, the Pope, I like him. He's a good guy. They're, you know, if they go three for three, it'll be a startling thing. It's going to be very interesting who the next. But anyway, I mean, do you know this, this essay has surfaced from the mid 70s or maybe the early 80s that the Pope Emeritus wrote that said the Augsburg Confession can be considered a Catholic small c confession? That was a startling thing for a pope to say. Now, it never went any farther. But that was while he was still head of doctrine for the Catholic Church. That's a remarkable thing. Partly, so much of what he writes sounds so much like us. That's partly why we have an affinity. The next guy may not. But in any case, you know, it's all about the Lord shows up. The Lord does the verbs. The Lord is righteous. The Lord makes you righteous. The Lord is just. The Lord makes you just. The Lord gives you what he promises and that doesn't have anything else to do. So if he gives you one particular thing, then you can't look across the table and say, why does she have that? Because he gives you your particular thing too. And that, our whole notion of fair is a quality rather than the best love is love that loves specifically. So God loves you in a way that he doesn't love you. He loves you in a different way. He loves you like a woman whose husband takes all the boys skiing for a day. <laughs> That's how he loves you. There's a special kind of love that he could... Nobody who doesn't have a pack full of boys could appreciate that kind of love. You see, that's a particular kind of love, right? Exactly right. Now, you just have to th- extend that to think about, you know, everybody as the Lord's kids, and then start, things start to make startlingly more sense for you. So the Lord appears. The Lord loves how he loves. The Lord gives how he gives. And you need to get good with that. 
right? That's the kingdom of God, that the Lord appears and he loves and he nourishes and he provides. And if you moan about that, or if you're not kind to the new people that he adds to the mix, if you can't see that they help with the work or it's good for them to be in too, if you, if you think of your life as a zero-sum game, that if somebody else gets something, you'll get less, if you think of all those ways under the law where your life is calculated, you'll end up grumbling and even hating other people. And then people say, why does the church die? Why does the kingdom of God die? Because you're an idiot. That's the reason it dies. Because <laughs> you're a crab. That's the reason it dies. You know, because you grumble. What's that? Yeah, I know. God is not so, he's not, I mean, not everybody who does a sin gets struck down, although there's some I would like to see be swallowed by, you know, <laughs> in their barca lounger hole. Yeah, I know. That's the thing about the Lord. Oh, God, the, the heaven's going to be filled with the crabby, you know, and the maim and the lame and the blind and the halt, you know, I mean, you crazy, you're crazy. Yeah, and the grumblers, yeah, it's going to be, there's hope for all of you. I mean, there's uh, for every last one of you. That's because the kingdom of God is filled with, yes, many rooms, and in some cases, separate rooms. That's exactly right. Believe me, there's some of you I'd rather not have for a roommate, and frankly, you don't want me either, okay? I mean, there's a lot of you who are not going to want to live with me. So, um, you know, so there's one way to think about the kingdom of God, you know, the crabby way, and, you know, and here's, here's the other thing. You know what's really interesting is? And we absorb this from American Christianity, even in the Missouri Synod, you know, this whole notion of that the church is, you know, time is short and hell is hot. That is the bare minimum way of talking about the church. That is, that is a, if you talk about the church that way, you're never really going to get what the church is all about. That's, when you talk about the church as, a, as an in and out, you're, if you're in, then everything is okay, and you just have to cross the threshold. It's extraordinarily important that people are called into the kingdom, but as you see, to be called into the kingdom is the first step, not the last step. There's still 11 hours to go in the scorching heat. So you have to think about, I mean, basically, this is an encouragement to think about your life together in the church. Shared work, respect, generosity, dignity, hospitality, love. The people that the Lord is not so happy with at the end of the day are the people who crab about other people, you know. It's like the people who used to tattle on you in second grade. I know this never happened to you. But there are people like that. We have their pictures and iris scans upstairs. So here's the thing. You know, there are people like that who are in the kingdom. And the, and the, the, the upshot isn't they're not going to hell, but they're just no fun to be around. And the Lord isn't that pleased with them. He's even a bit stern with them. He's like, I gave you what I promised, right? I gave you what I promised you. You got what I promised you. Why do you get cranky because I promise somebody else something too. Why do you get cranky about that? Why would you be? It's exactly like that. It's a, and, and because that's because we don't understand that, his, that love is inexhaustible. The gifts are specific. All the things we don't understand, that hospitality greases the skids. You know, all the things we don't understand about the church. I mean, the, the basic thing of this is to be, remember what you've been given, be grateful for it, and then sort of carry on. And when new people appear, you should say, thank you very much that you've kind of expanded the church, expanded the kingdom, that you've made somebody else's life easier, right? That you've done some kindness, that you've, as Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what this story is about. 
You know, it is obviously about the forgiveness of sins. It is obviously about being pulled into the kingdom. It's obviously about the Lord making you just. And if you try to take that away from him and make yourself just, you screw up the story. You screw up the kingdom. You screw up the church. I get all that. But as you said very helpfully, there are these 11 hours that are sometimes in the scorching heat of the day. I feel like some days the Lord was sleeping through my prayers. Um, probably not, you know. So you have this constant incentive to do the work that you've been given to do, and at the end, the Lord will make it all good. You know, that's what the kingdom of God is like. So how's that? It's a different read, way to read the text. He was very hopeful. All right, anything else? The kids are screaming and probably have <laughs> the daycare workers tied up with duct tape by now. So, um, all right, let's pray and let's go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.